Welcome to Find Your Inner Sage, a show making self-care easy so you can live the life you want. I'm your host, Fiona Lynch, a clinical psychologist, bringing you evidence-based information and tips that work. Join me and our inspiring guests as we empower you to look after your whole well-being so you can live with joy and meaning. Today we're joined by Naomi Lawrence. Naomi is a clinical dietitian with a wealth of experience in supporting people impacted by cancer, women's health, inflammatory and autoimmune conditions, and so much more. Naomi currently works at Encore Nutrition and she's based on the Surf Coast, but they are based across the state. Naomi is passionate about supporting people to make lasting changes that enhance their health and improve their relationship with food. In today's episode, Naomi shares with us her own experience of self-care and her move towards being more compassionate towards herself and slowing down. She talks about how you can use diet to support your mental health and how food and microbiomes and the brain-gut connection all impact your mental well-being. You can receive a free 15-minute consult with Naomi at Encore Nutrition or with any of the other dietitians, and also check out their awesome newsletter, Eat Our Words, and they have a podcast, two peas in a podcast, to have a look at as well. We'll put all the links in the show notes. We're also joined by guest co-host Georgia Prisco, naturopath from Intuitive Cycles, as Georgia helps us hear the best parts of Naomi's experience. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, let's dive right in and tell me a little bit about how you spend your time in work and life and how you made your way there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you both and talking to you today. Um, so work life is that I'm a dietitian. I work with a group called Encore Nutrition and I'm lucky enough to work from the comfort of my home down here on the surf coast, so local to Torquay. Uh, and also I'm part of the team down at the Keyser Gym in Torquay as well. So um, get to see some people in, in the flesh down there on a Tuesday. So uh, in my work, I, I see a huge range of types of people, um, but lots, um, lots of people who are working through their relationships with food and um, disordered eating and eating disorders, um, uh, specialising in oncology, women's health, which I know, Georgia, you're the absolute expert in. Um, so finding that area absolutely fascinating and a lot of gastrointestinal issues as well. So um, that keeps me out of trouble, which is really good. I, I've been down in the surf coast for the past couple of years and I'm, I have never looked back. I'm absolutely loving the coastal lifestyle I think I knew it was always where I wanted to end up and be and it hasn't disappointed at all so um, when I'm not uh, working I'm generally trying to get as close to the ocean as possible beside it or in it I've chickened out of the cold water um, a lot during the winter Fee and I would sometimes see each other down in the surf and she probably would have noticed my hiatus over the oh, last so 12 months <laughs> Um, and um, aside from that, I've also um, been bitten by the green thumb bug in the past 12 months. So we've been doing lots of landscaping and gardening in our backyard and I'm loving it, loving getting my hands into the soil um, and 
yeah, planting down some native gardens and starting to grow some things as well. Very much looking forward to reconnecting with lots of family and friends over the the um the next few months in the summer. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and how's me in a nutshell? <laughs> yeah, love it. How grounding is getting in in your garden and sort of pottering around out there. It's awesome. It really rejuvenates me. I um I heard a great little study that looked at um there's actually um certain bacteria that you get into in the soil there that interacts with your gut microbiome and has a really positive impact on um your mental health and um mood boosting which is so relevant to what we're talking about today and yeah absolutely feel that when I'm out there it's good (laughs) no I love that and I definitely want to talk a little bit about that gut brain connection a bit later on so that's a great um segue into that later on so Um, And obviously this podcast is about self-care and making time or bringing more self-care into your life and creating joy and and everything from that. So when did self-care become important to you? You know, it's interesting thinking about that question. I think I first started to be aware of the impact of, say, what I was doing in life and how it affects Um, my function how I would feel wanting to really feel my best and be at my best and give my best like 16 I started doing um, yoga with my mom each morning we literally had like a VHS tape of this one guy it's like 20 minute sessions really started enjoying doing that started to be a little bit more conscious about what I was putting in my body and really I think that's when my interest and passion in in diet and nutrition spurred from um I think throughout my 20s I um just swung from polar ends of the extreme of debauchery and and self-love and (laughs) self-care um which is all good fun and so what encompasses self-care for me these days and it's really broadened um and it's evolved and changed as I've grown up as well I think particularly in the last two to three years, um, my self-care has taken a much more compassionate, slow approach as opposed to a really driven tick all the boxes approach. So I've been at the journey for a while. By no means would I hold myself up as a, you know, someone who's nailed it or gets it right all the time, but it's, yeah, it's evolving with me. Definitely. And we say that as well ourselves, mm-hmm. despite hosting this, that, you know, I think it's a constant learning, learning process across our lives, isn't it? Yeah. And what you need at different times, I think, really changes as well. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that you sort of slowed down with it now. How do you prioritise your self-care now? Well, I think I'm, I guess I'm privileged in ways that I, I've got a partner, a home, a job that's pretty well balanced and no dependence to look after. Um, so I do have that sort of luxury of, um, of time to dedicate to it. But even in that, it's a challenge. So I know for me, even balancing those things can feel pretty tough at times. So I can imagine it's so much more difficult bringing in all the other demands and challenges that I'm sure life will bring in time. Um, how do I prioritise it? Morning's my time. 
Yeah. I, I wake up with the birds, <laughs> whether I like it or not, before six every morning. So um, I love those, those first few hours in the morning when I feel like the rest of the world hasn't really woken up as yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that time to myself is wonderful. And then the rest of the day can be what the rest of the day is if I get those couple of hours in. What do you do in those couple of hours? Again, that fluctuates with what I need as well. Um, and it's changed a lot. So it's either hitting the Pilates mat or yoga. Sometimes it's walking around the garden with a cuppa in hand. Sometimes it's a walk. Sometimes it's a run. Yeah, yeah. any of the above. It's so nice to have that protected time in the mornings, isn't it? And that, you know, when you have that, then you've already done your self-care and you're looking after yourself, you're feeling really nurtured for your day. It doesn't matter then as much if your day gets really hectic and busy and goes longer than you anticipate because you have that protected morning time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing I like to do, I, I get up and I like walk out to my deck and just sort of take in the first light and listen to the birds and try and just make sure that the first thing that I'm really looking at and taking in is a bit of nature and sunlight and um, yeah, have a big glass, you know, try and drink like half a litre of water to hydrate again. Mm-hmm. More recently, I've brought one of the light alarms. Uh, have you heard of light alarms? Light alarms. Light alarm. It's awesome. It's awesome. It sort of it gradually um, brightens and then the photoreceptors in your skin pick up on the light waking up. So when you wake up, you feel a bit more alert and less groggy and it's easier to get up. So that's one thing that's changed my mornings a little bit. <laughs> the birds are getting in first now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's so good because we know that exposing to light at the start of the day is the best thing for our circadian rhythm or our body clock as well. It's less about kind of our nighttime routine and more about that daylight alerting cue at the start of the day. So that would be so nice to just tell your body it's time to wake up. Yeah, absolutely. You said that you're kind of going a bit slower these days and we think that it takes a bit of courage actually to slow down. So can you tell us what that's been like for you? Yeah, I think I've been coming to the realisation that I've been so driven to fit it all in, um, driven to perfect and extend myself in so many different areas Um, and I'm a real uh, I guess scheduler and and try to achieve in all these different areas and in the last couple of years I've realized that that's just not attainable nor is it healthy so I'm really trying to talk to myself with more compassion and certainly with becoming much more in tune with my cycle each month becoming much more aware of where my energy my mental, my emotional needs are at and really give myself permission to to go with that flow. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there'll be weeks where I don't really do any exercise beyond a gentle walk and a bit of stretching um, sort of in the lead up to my period and I have absolutely no guilt or shame about doing that. I know it's what I really need at that time, whereas other times are really I'm just bursting with energy and want to get out there. So I think... Um, part of the slowing down is is getting more in tune with my cycle. Part of the slowing down has been moving out of Melbourne and, you know, sort of living in the, in the city and, and having so much sort of, you know, entertainment and excitement around all the time to obviously being at the coast but also being COVID and lockdown and just not having so much on the agenda and enjoying that slower pace. 
for sure. Mm. It's so different when you're in a slower environment to slow down, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. As someone who likes to be busy, it's yeah, it's definitely been an adjustment. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Yeah. You said um, that you don't have much guilt or shame when you, you know, go slower, but did you notice when you first started to do that that you might have had those thoughts of the shoulds or, you know, feeling that a bit of that guilt or or things like that? Because I think a lot of people experience that when they initially try to slow down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So hard on myself. Naomi, you idiot. Like you signed up for like three Pilates classes this week and you've like hit snooze five times missed them they're gonna whack you with all those like cancelling no show charges like just get out of bed and do it like so that's what it was like at the start and then I think with the awareness of where my energy was at and what my body really needed in that time I was like just I've I've stopped scheduling it stopped feeling guilty about it so and yeah that's probably something that's just happened in the past yeah as I said like two years (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I've heard a lot of people say who do menstrual cycle tracking and and checking in with their cycle is that when you're in that really energetic stage, you kind of book ahead and you (laughs) get so overwhelmed with excitement and determination. And then you get to that time and you're in a totally different phase of your cycle and you regret everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go into a little hole. So exactly and so like you know yeah setting goals about what you want to do um but scheduling the downtimes in the month as well so you're not um beating yourself up for not sticking to you know your intention or what you wanted to do for yourself yeah (laughs) life-changing everyone should do it I also love that within that you're sort of listening to your body and using that to drive your compassion a little bit. You know, it's hard just to be compassionate and tell ourselves that it's okay to slow down, but sometimes it's easier to think, well, this is actually what my body needs right now. And so I'm going to do it because my body actually needs to slow down at this time. And it sounds Mm. like that sort of helped you a little bit along the way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's been really good in that way. I think partly the it's the body telling me what it's going to do, <laughs> what it's not going to do. The energy is just not there. I don't push it. And yeah. we have to listen to that, don't we? Yeah. Sure. We're so keen today to kind of pick your brains on all things nutrition and, and mental health, particularly both being so important for our self-care. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about the overlap between nutrition and mental health? Yeah, I think there's there's so many elements at play in nutrition and mental health I think there's there's certainly the actual food components macronutrients vitamins and minerals phytonutrients and the the role that they play in the pure physiology of our body which we can talk about there's the really exciting area of the brain gut axis and the gut microbiome and the profound impacts that that has for our mental health And um, there's also the way in which we relate to food and our relationship with food and, and, you know, coming back to the compassion or how much expectation we put on ourselves. And certainly in the work that I do and supporting the people that I do, that has a huge impact on mental health, probably more important than any one thing you choose to eat or not eat. So it's so multi-layered. Yeah, in a, in a nutshell, I guess, yeah, what would you like to hear more about? Yeah, well, let's go into the gut-brain access, yep. actually, because we've yep. talked about that earlier. What have you seen in mm. your practice or what research are you really interested in the connection between the microbiome and mental health? 
Yeah. So for, I guess, for anyone listening out there who is new to these terms or this world, so a gut microbiome is the population of uh, bacteria that inhabit our intestines, mainly our colon. Um, So there's a phenomenal amount of bacteria and we're learning more more about the gut uh, microbiome, so the viruses that live in there as well. Um, so there's there's the good and the bad down there, some that are helpful and, and not so helpful. Your personal gut microbiome is as individual as your fingerprint. No two are alike. The hallmarks of a healthy gut microbiome are diversity. So we want a really big range of beneficial bacteria. We also want abundance so overall numbers. We our gut microbiome, you know, develops from when we're a young baby and the gut microbiome and the bacteria that inhabit us at that age, we know through the research can have a profound impact on our function, our brain development and our mental health for for decades, for a lifetime. And so for the formative years are really important but also our gut microbiome is constantly shifting and evolving it can really change quite quickly Um, from a nutrition perspective there's the uh, foods that we eat have a big impact on the gut microbiome for good or for bad so a lot of the beneficial bacteria really thrive on an abundance and variety of fiber in the diet there's many many different types of fiber prebiotic fiber is um, type of fiber that the gut bacteria can break down ferment and use as their fuel for energy and therefore thrive and it's not just as simple as sort of more fiber better gut microbiome certainly fatty acids antioxidants um, plant-based compounds as well uh, all interacting to really support the health of the gut microbiome And there's certainly things in our diet too, which can influence the bacteria down there in a negative way. So um, certainly alcohol would be a big one that impacts it. Lots of medications that we can take. Stress is a huge one. So the cut microbiome is the largest endocrine submitter outside the brain, which is phenomenal. Um, So you're producing a lot of neurotransmitters in the gut microbiome that are having profound impacts throughout the body. Um, You've also got a really, really strong brain-gut axis, which is bidirectional. So what's happening in the digestive system is talking to the brain and um, and the state of your mind and mental health is also having an influence on your digestion. And I think we've known this as humans intuitively for such a long time because we have these phrases like, you know, butterflies in my stomach and all these sorts of things. So I guess science is now catching up with what we've known for quite a while. I guess what we can do to um, really support having a healthy gut microbiome is to aim for a largely plant-based diet to, you know, at a bare minimum, you want to be aiming for about 30 grams of fiber a day. So aiming for at least, you know, five to seven serves of veggies, a couple of serves of fruits, going for whole grains, going for nuts and seeds. And also a really good rule of thumb is to try and eat about 30 different plant-based foods in a week. What I really like to do, I obviously love food and I love cooking and recipes. So each week I aim for that and also try and change up my cuisines and my recipes each week. So I rotate through a different 30 foods, Mm -hmm. give or take from week to week. So getting a really great abundance of variety in there. 
And I often get my patients to do food diaries and mm-hmm. even if it's just, you know, three to five days because the, that mindfulness of what am I putting in my body? Mm. Am I actually getting in veggies? And sometimes it's I'm getting in more, sometimes it's I'm getting in less. So I think that's a great yeah. place to start, isn't it? Tracking it and seeing what am I actually eating throughout the week. Mm-hmm. I love though that you touched on prebiotics because, you know, the buzzword is probiotics and people just want to... Mm grab probiotics and fix their gut sort of that way. Mm. So there's so many layers that isn't there, the pre, the pro and the post mm-hmm. probiotics. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about why maybe probiotics might not be the right option. Such buzzwords and so confusing for people as well. So prebiotic, think food. Probiotic is the live bacteria. So prebiotics feed probiotics. And so essentially, you know, we want to promote eating probiotic containing foods, which generally live fermented foods like um, yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi, all those wonderful things. And I mean, I guess there's there's some merit in certain situations to uh, probiotic supplements. Although I think they're overrated. Um, So these little live bacteria, they've got to pass through the stomach and about five metres of bowel to get to their home in the colon. And we know that like no more than 5% of what you're taking in a capsule is actually getting to its home where it's going to thrive. And I think more and more we're learning about the different genomes and species of probiotics and the impacts that they have and where there might be imbalances, what are the imbalances. But our methods for measuring people's gut microbiomes are pretty rudimentary. Like we do it through stool sampling, but that's essentially looking at the waste product. It doesn't really tell us a lot about what's actually down there at the mucosal lining as interacting. So I think we're we're scratching the tip of the iceberg as far as our understanding of the complex interaction of all of this. So I think, and, and knowing that every individual is so different, what we want to focus on and what we know across the board does support a good microbiome is supporting them with the food that they thrive on so that they can increase in abundance. Mm. Which is in prebiotics, yeah. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And something that is the opposite of that are high sugar foods. Mm. And um, do you see that often in practice as well, working with people to reduce sugar or processed carbohydrates or anything like that? Are there kind of strategies that you use? Uh, There's certainly some evidence to support that your high sugar foods are going to feed um, bacteria that are uh, suboptimal. But also if your diet's full of, those refined carbohydrates thing and missing out on the prebiotics that are fueling the good food so it's sort of like a bit more what you're missing out on as opposed to what you're putting in um, to a certain degree how to help people avoid high GI foods and sugars we're humans we're hardwired to just love those foods so it's a really challenging thing for people I think helping people get off the roller coaster of sugar highs and lows has such a profound impact on how they feel mentally and energetically and physically throughout the day so if we can start by um, you know educating people about what are better choices more um, whole grains slower release carbohydrates increasing fiber and protein and fat um, and have them eating more balanced meals and regularly throughout the day to keep stable blood sugar levels and you're not having huge dips in energy and cravings where all your hormones and your biology is just screaming at you for a quick energy hit so that's one part of it sort of playing playing to the physiology 
um, and helping yourself out from that regard. Um, but then also, you know, Fee, you'll probably tell me way more about this, but I feel like if I tell you, you can't have chocolate. It's just all you want. We're just hard <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like we're just going to think about it. We're going to want it. We just want to break the rules. And so I think it's about building in rewards. I'm not even rewards, but just pleasure and indulgence um, in a way that doesn't feel restrictive um, and that's part of an overall balance. Absolutely. And it's about focusing your attention on the thing that you want rather than the thing that you don't want. So if I get told mm. I can't have chocolate, all mm. that's in my mind is chocolate mm. and my attention's going to be constantly on chocolate. Whereas if I get told that, you know, I can have all these delicious vegetables, the vegetables are going to be on my mind. That's where my attention is more likely to go mm. and I'm going to feel sort of rewarded from that. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said, Naomi, is really important about those sort of those sugar dips and things like that because it's not just about our energy dipping and whether we can kind of last throughout our day, but we know when energy comes down, then mood comes down, motivation comes down. It usually mm. that makes us more stressed as well because we're probably not as productive, you know, if we're at work, for instance. And so if we can kind of level out our energy through our food, it also means we get to level out our mood and our stress a little bit better as well. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people, they set themselves really unachievable goals in regards to their diet as well and the minute that they have something whether it be cookie chocolate whatever you know you get a big fat fail for the day and you're like it's that last supper mentality I've blown it now let's Mm -hmm. just keep going start again tomorrow and it's just like mentally torturous and um, not a good approach so I think yeah those extremes aren't helpful. One of the things that I always come back to in my mind, um, a little bit of disclosure on your part, <laughs> Naomi, <laughs> when, when you and I used to work together in a hospital, I still work there, but you're now with Encore Nutrition, our psychology team and our dietitian team were co-located in the same big working space. And we had to walk past the dietitian's area in order to get to the kitchen. So that was quite a hard <laughs> well, Yeah, literally the, uh, the door bitches for the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> well, walking past that area, we would have to inevitably pass your snack cabinet. Can you please tell the listeners what they might find on the dietitian's snack cabinet? It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory on a cupboard. <laughs> Every single day. <laughs> and if that supply was exhausted, you always know you could hit something on the wards. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for outing us there, Fee. <laughs> no, I think so many people expect dietitians to be the diet police, but I think all of us got into this field because we just absolutely love food and we're humans and we've got taste buds and we enjoy it and um, it can certainly be a part of a really healthy life and a healthy relationship to food so yeah we're owning owning all the chips all the chocolate all the baked goods (laughs) yeah it was certainly a test of willpower (laughs) not to go too crazy on it (laughs) yeah definitely it was a test of our willpower to not steal (laughs) I think it's genuinely something I come back to though if I notice myself wanting something that you know I maybe hadn't planned to have for the day or you know might be those sugars that I hadn't intended to Mm. I do genuinely come back to thinking of your snack cabinet and thinking that you know for (laughs) you guys it is about that balance Mm. and also not going 
to those extremes. So a little bit of something that you, you know, hadn't intended or isn't that idea of what you really want to be putting in your gut is okay, you know, as long as you're sort of balancing it back out, right? But if we try to just stick to a really rigid diet 100% of the time, we're going mm. to fall off, but then we might mm. go to the other extreme of just giving up on that altogether. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of keeping that balance in mind mm-hmm. is something that, you know, can often really help us, can't it? Absolutely. Yep. Could mm-hmm. agree more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the mindfulness around eating too. I often teach around mindful eating because yeah, you create, you're trying to create a sustainable lifestyle, not just a short-term diet for someone. So it's yeah. Understanding why you're choosing the foods that you're choosing and knowing is there a better option right now, or is that really just what mm-hmm. I need right now? And later on I'll choose something different so yeah yeah and I I really like and and what I try to coach people around too is choose the things that really give you a lot of pleasure and be mindful when you're eating them and fully enjoy them without remorse Mm -hmm. yeah don't get the diet ice cream get the real stuff Mm. and enjoy it um you are eating it for, for pure pleasure and indulgence and yeah don't try and substitute your favorite thing for something that's less enjoyable where you're just going to eat more of it or end up sort of looking for something that's actually going to satisfy the hit after three or four options and not just thinking about enjoying the pleasure in the moment and mindfulness whilst you're eating but actually taking those calming slow breaths before you even start eating if you're taking those sort of few calming breaths and just slowing the body down you know obviously you can tell us it helps with digestion puts you into that rest and digest but it actually really helps you enjoy and soak up that pleasurable experience absolutely yeah pleasure centers in the mind light up so much more when we're not distracted yeah while we're eating and we're really pleasant present pleasantly pleasantly present just a pause in our chat today to let you know that i am launching an online course on how to prioritize your self-care our guests like naomi had to learn this the long way around but i'm going to make it so much easier for you all by making prioritizing your self-care super easy, helping you realize where your time is going so that you have the time and make the time to look after your well-being, and chatting to you about the best place for you to start. This course will be self-paced and you can access it for as long as you need. And the best news is that if you subscribe to my emails, you will receive an early bird discount not available to anybody else. Make sure you head to my website and fill in that initial form that comes up so you're subscribing and you get access to that early bird discount available for a limited time. And a quick reminder, if you haven't got onto it yet, my audio tracks that are downloadable for mindfulness through your daily tasks like walking, eating, doing your dishes, that 25% discount available to you ends 30th of June. You have just one week left using the discount code POD25, P-O-D-2-5. T's and C's apply. See my website for details. Yeah, let's talk about actually the three most important things that you do to look after yourself to allow our listeners to take away a few ideas or inspiration of what you actually prioritize in your life. So the three top things that cultivate joy and pleasure in your life. To pick top three, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I really try and prioritise sleep. I feel like it's the, you know, foundation of, of health 
is getting good rest. And I know it has profound impact on my enjoyment and my joy, even just my ability to be lighthearted and have a laugh and give energy um, and to, to do all the things that I want to do in a day. So I really try and prioritise that. I think probably equally as important, um, and I guess this has come to my awareness so much more in the last couple of years, is that actually above anything that I do at an individual level, connection and having fun with family and friends and spending time together is just what I live for and lights up my soul and I just need it I just need to have a laugh let my hair down and as I said I'm very um, I can get very um, driven and in that sort of mindset of to do and to do and to do and to just slow down and spend time with people and enjoy it and Nutrition and movement probably come in equally together. I know I've been sneaky. I've snuck in four there, but I couldn't separate those two. Um, movement's so important for um, feeling at home in my body to feel energetic for the endorphins. And then the, the probably the thing that I don't have to try too hard with is nutrition just because I do love food so much and love cooking and love um, cooking um, for the most part pretty healthy recipes. So that's great. <laughs> And lately, um, the last couple of years while we're recording now has been COVID. And I think it's made us all appreciate connection and catching up and letting our hair down and getting away from that sort of work environment mm. when we're often working at home. So mm-hmm. to finish up, Naomi, we'd love our listeners to get even just one tip from you for those who want an idea, one thing they can do to help with their self-care over the next few weeks. What would be your one hot tip that people could try to look after themselves? Well, given I'm a dietitian, I'll try and keep it nutrition related. <laughs> Get some more prebiotics into you. <laughs> so garlic packs a punch as far as prebiotics. You get a, a lot in a really small amount. So if you would even just start to add in a little bit of garlic to a salad dressing, to your evening meal and try and get that in on a regular basis, that is sort of just one really simple takeaway that would have a profound impact on your gut microbiome. Awesome. Thank you. I've been mm. told that I'm supposed to be eating more raw garlic and I've been ignoring that suggestion. So get into it while we're still in masks mm. and get away with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And slow and steady with the garlic, isn't it? You don't want to go hardcore and yeah end up really bloated or anything like that yeah if you're someone who suffers IBS symptoms certainly yeah increasing it gradually starting with very small amounts there's plenty of people out there who doesn't face them either so (laughs) yeah and it's delicious as well (laughs) it's so good Naomi thank you so much it's been such a delight chatting with you I feel like I have learned so much in in that little 40 minutes so thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with everybody else the pleasure's been all mine thanks guys Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you know someone else who might find it useful, we'd be so grateful if you shared it with them. We appreciate each and every review that's been left and we love hearing from you. So please leave us one if you feel like it. If you want to stay in the loop about upcoming guests and episodes, make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram and check out the show notes for links to any resources that we might have mentioned in today's episode. Just a reminder that everything we chat about in this podcast is to help you live with courage and joy and nothing should be considered medical advice. So always chat to your own healthcare professional. We'll catch you in a fortnight for our next episode and we can't wait to have you there.
We're grateful to record this podcast on the lands of the Wadarong people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our deepest respects to their elders past, present, and emerging.